Welcome to Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message. Starting a new series, Matthew chapter 7, uh, verse 7. I'm starting a new series called Unstoppable Force, and I'm, and I'm burning with this. You know the preaching is good when the preacher gets fed off his own preaching. You know, I'm, I'm pacing back and forth the miles. I'm like, that's good, Holy Ghost. That's serious. I'm like, ooh, and I'm, and I'm going, ooh. I'm like, preach, Holy Spirit. I'm like, he's like, yeah. But for real, I'm just, I'm getting fed as I study. I realize the, the, the hidden truths that sometimes we, we take for granted. And the unstoppable force is talking about there is no force that could stop the force of your mouth in prayer. There is no force. Now, I'm going to share several scriptures out this week. I'm going to have, it's going to be about a five-week series we're going to have a lot of to. Now, d- don't tune me out because just, oh, prayer, prayer, prayer. No, no, no. I want you to think about this because if you do a secret poll, hear me now. If, you do, if there was a secret poll uh, or survey given to every Christian and you would ask them privately without anybody knowing the results, what is your weakest discipline in the Christian life? The majority of the, of the answers would be, the involvement in private and corporate prayer. And I know by attending uh, the corporate prayer meetings that I have, that I, I'm leading because uh, the Lord told me as the lead pastor, I want you to lead it. And it's not a burden for me. But you know what? There's about four or five people that show up if we're lucky. And now that's not a diss to anybody, but I want to share a, 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 a quote from Leonard Ravenhill that I said before, but it's, I think it's important as I start my message this morning. The quote from Leonard Ravenhill said this, Sunday morning attendance reveals the popularity of the church. Midweek Bible study rev- attendance reveals the popularity of the teacher or the, or the preacher of that of that." of that uh, church. Prayer meetings and prayer gatherings reveal the popularity of God. Now when you look at, you know, a packed church or you look at a packed, you know, midweek service, that is good because we're getting equipped. Everyone wants to feel good. Everyone wants everybody to, to feel equipped. But when we call a time for prayer, and I know, please, I'm not being insensitive. I know that we are so different in our busy schedule. We have work. We have children. I know that. I'm not, the Lord told me, do not make prayer mandatory. <laughs> because he told me, if I make prayer mandatory, then I would really know who's there for what reasons. I have not, and I will not pray, make prayer mandatory. But I will say this. It's so fulfilling to me because I have a revelation scripturally and theologically about what really happens when we open our mouths. Some of us have big mouths. If we could only convert your mouths into what you do, into channeling into prayer, heck, even if you convert your thoughts to prayer, you'll be a much more prayer machine than you are. I love your thoughts, but I don't need your thoughts. I need your prayers because prayer changes everything. Now, Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. I w- my goal is to increase this in your personal life. Every one of you, when you came home, came home, this is home, but when you came to church, you had a, a list that I created because I'm calling a fast starting tomorrow for those who feel led for 21 days. Any way that the Lord wants you to fast, I'm calling a fast for greater breakthrough in 2018, greater healing, and greater fulfillment of God's promises in your life. Can I hear an amen? And I'm going to do that for, for 21 days. It's not necessarily a Daniel fast, but I'm going to call a, a, a consecration for our community. Why? Many people in the body of Christ, they start the year. Many churches I know are starting the year fasting and praying. It's still true what the Bible says, that some bondages don't come out except through fasting and praying. Can I hear an amen? So to strengthen this, I'm going to be teaching about this because faith comes by hearing. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 says this. It says, Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the doors will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, will be opened. What man is there among you, if his son asks for bread, you'll give him a stone? Could you imagine that? Or if he asks for a fish, he will give him a serpent? 
watch this now. This is a revelation that I, the, the Lord gave me. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Now look at me for a second. In this scripture, Jesus is talking about initially what I call three levels of, of prayer. There's many levels of prayer, but he talks about first asking. Say asking. And asking is the elementary part, which is presenting our need before God. I don't care who you are or how strong you are. Everyone in this room has a need. Say amen. If it's one need, it may be ten needs, but everyone in this room has a need. So he talks about saying ask, which is presenting your need. Then he says seek. The, the little, little second, second notch or second level of, of prayer, when it comes to seeking, he is talking about going further and searching you know, that the, you know what your request is, but now you're searching to get that answer. And the Lord says, I, I delight in you searching. I delight in you searching me for that. I delight in you. Now, some people may search a couple times, and we'll stop there. But the third level, which I love, is knocking. And that speaks of persistence. Continue persistent, persistence, persistence. I don't care. God is not deaf, but he loves persistence. In this series, in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to share powerful truths about the principle of persistence. If you look at scripture, you will see Jesus gives analogies time and time again of even people that are bothered but still get the people what they want because of their persistence. Can I hear an amen? And so why do I say this? Now, Jesus didn't bump his head when he says, ask, seek, and knock. And then all of a sudden, he starts talking about, or oh, what man would give a son who asked bread stone? He didn't bump his head. He's still talking about prayer there. He didn't say, oh, well, let's just switch, uh, switch analogies and talk about a, 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 a fish and a snake at the same time. No. You know what he's saying? Watch this. This is the revelation God gave me. God's saying, if you want to understand the effectiveness and the nature of prayer, you got to understand the nature of the Father, that He is a good Father. He describes His nature right after He commands us to ask or challenges us to seek and challenges to knock. He then says, you know why I'm telling you this? Because I want to tell you a little bit about myself. I'm a good father. What son gives a what son gives a, a stone when the son asks for bread? Or what or, or what parent gives them a snake when they ask for a fish? Daddy, can I have some fish? Here's a serpent for you if you want some. What father does that? He goes, no father does that in the natural. He goes, how much more the heavenly father will give you those good things for his children who ask? He correlates his nature to prayer to let us know it's okay to ask. I think sometimes we have been over spiritual in the church and say, I can't ask God for anything. But listen, yes, you could. The doors of heaven will be opened based on your prayers, and the doors of heaven could sometimes be closed because of our lack of prayers. Say amen. And I want to revolutionize your personal prayer life. What would I, They say, I read a, a statistic not too long ago that says the average Christian prays anywhere from 20 to 30 minutes a week of uninterrupted prayer. Now we wonder why our Christianity is weak. We're wondering, we wonder why we don't want to go out in the streets and pray for people. We wonder why we're battling with all these things. Why? Because we're not communing with God. God gave us an incredible gift an incredible weapon that, listen, can never be stopped, and that's the weapon of prayer. I want you to look at the first point. Let's put the first point in here. Prayer is using our words to connect with an infinite God who has no limits. Look at this. Therefore, prayer is the most unstoppable force in the universe. You know what is so powerful about prayer? I could pray for someone in Russia right now, thousands of miles away right now, and faster than satellite and faster than the speed of light, they could uh, be, feel the effects of my words, and I'm here in Orlando, and they're all the way in, in Russia. And if I say, someone, Lord, touch so-and-so who's bound in Russia by the power of my words. Someone all the way in Russia could feel the chains fall off of them because someone prayed for them. Or they could be encountered by the Lord because it's fueling the activity of heaven through your words. 
The activity of heaven is released over your life through your dialogue and your intentionality in prayer. See, here's the thing. For many years, many people have wondered if it even worked. It's, many people have labeled prayer boring. Many people have labeled prayer uh, 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 tedious because we love conferences, but we fail, most part, at realizing that prayer was never designed to be boring. Can I just speak in 2018 language? Imagine you, someone say, hey, you get the opportunity to connect every day at any time, at any given situation, at any moment of your life, whether you're high or down, you could connect to the uncreated God and he listens to you. Like, eh, no big deal. I'd rather go to a conference and hear a good speaker. Do you realize that you could tap into right now the infinite God, the uncreated God, have a conversation with you, with him, and not only does he listen, but that he answers your prayer according, if we pray according to scripture. Does that get anybody excited at RCC? <laughs> we have to make a point in 2018 to make some adjustments to strengthen our prayer life. If you have, you're only as strong and powerful as your prayer life. Because your gifting and your, and your charisma will only take you so far, and then you will run dry, and you'll be running on empty, and you will hate the things that you're doing, even for God. So you, you, you have to understand that this is a revelation that God gave me. We must seek to understand the foundation and nature of prayer, because if not, prayer will become undesirable to you, and it will become frustrating. Now, I have the good news for you. The Lord showed me a couple years ago a revelation that the concept and the principle of prayer, hear, hear me now, started all the way in the beginning in Genesis 1 without using the word prayer. Now, you're not going to see the word prayer in there. You're not going to see the word intercession there. But the concept and the principle of prayer actually started in the beginning when, when God was creating the world and he was saying, let there be light, let there be this. In four words, in four words, I'm going to give you a secret this morning. God instituted the principle of prayer between humanity and heaven based on these four words. Look at Genesis chapter 1. This is going to be powerful. Based on these four words, God, by revelation, instituted the principle. That's the key. The principle and the power and the necessity of prayer. Why? You say, where is that in Genesis chapter 1? Okay, in Genesis chapter 1, look it up there. Let's put that on the screen. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, after he's making the earth and he's, and he's speaking to the firmament and he's speaking to, the, to, the, to the, all these things, the animals and stuff, he goes, then God said, watch this, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And now here's the four words I want you to underline. Let them have dominion. Notice that God did not say, let us have dominion. He said, let them have dominion. Hear me well before you throw stones at me. This is not saying that God is not sovereign. The, 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 the principle of the authority he's given humanity started right there. Now, why is that important? You say, Pastor George, I don't understand. How is let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over, over, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. But those four words initiated something that can never be reversed. Why is let them have dominion so important? Hear me now. Because God already has all dominion. He is not subtracting his dominion. He's adding his dominion. He's extending his dominion through mankind on the earth. So what he is saying is, well, are you ready for this? Because I know you're looking at me like I have a, a plum on my head or something. What he's saying here is let them have dominion saying this. This is crazy. Whatever God says out of his mouth that is a decree, watch this, or a law. Buckle your seatbelts because this is going to be freaky for some of you guys. Even God himself has to abide by those rules. I want you to hear me very carefully. When God says, let them have dominion, and he decrees something out of his mouth when it says, let there be this. 
Even the Lord himself has to abide by those same principles to now invade the earth. Now, yes, God is sovereign. He could do what he wants. But he is a God of order and a God of his own words. Why do I say that? Isaiah Isaiah, the book of Isaiah 55 says, my ways are higher than your words. And he says, my, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Then he says, my words that come out of my mouth, come on, shout somebody, will never return void to me. That's why, are you ready for this revelation? It's illegal for a spirit being to just float on the earth without a body. That's why demons try to seek, uh, seek to possess people because they're trying to execute or extend Satan's will on the earth through people. And that's why Jesus, to fulfill his own word, had to come as a man, not float around in the spirit because he wanted to take dominion again from Satan. Come on. When he came as a man, he's fully God, but he had to come in the carcass of a flesh because of let them have dominion. He had to come by, because he's bound by his own laws, by his own words. So he says, I'm not just going to float around as a spirit being and saying, I'm Jesus. I have to come as a man because I said from the very beginning when I created earth, let them have dominion. Let them have dominion. The concept of prayer started when he, listen, listen, contrary to popular opinion, man was not created only for heaven. Man was created for earth. I'm going to explain that to you. I'm going to explain it to you. Not only for heaven, God created man for earth to extend as it is in heaven, as it is on earth. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, thy will be done, thy will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. He's trying to get heaven to earth. And the only way he gets heaven's principle to earth is through prayer. I'm preaching better than you're saying amen right now. Do you realize that this is an exciting moment? He is not subtracting his dominion. He's extending it, watch this, through partnership with humanity. Prayer is about executing God's will by partnering with an infinite God. Oh, my gosh. Do you, do you realize that by these words, let them have dominion, God defined the boundaries and the premier way where he is, uh, where he is um, sort of speak, allowed to interfere in God, uh, earthly affairs. Watch this before you get mad at me. Pastor George, you're limiting God. No, I'm saying that there is something that he put in there. If that's not the case, we think revival comes unconditionally. We think, you know what? God prophesied revival, and God's going to revival. Don't matter how we live. Don't matter how the church, the condition of the church is. Doesn't matter if we're just living in sin. God prophesied revival is going to happen. If if revival was unconditional, or if outpouring of blessings were unconditional, watch this. Are you ready? This, I used to read this scripture I'm about to tell you, and I used to be, almost get, get upset with God. Like, God, you want to do it. Why can't why can't you do, why can't you just do it? Because he decreed a, a principle in Genesis 1. Let man have dominion. So now, now watch this. Why, if it's unconditional, why did he say in 2 Chronicles, if my people, it's almost like he's waiting. If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and watch this. Pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive them of their sins and I will heal their land. In my mind, I'm like, you already want to do it, God. Why don't you just do it? He goes, if my people. In other words, I decree in Genesis 1, let them have dominion. So now that propensity, that, that, that is forever set in motion. So now they have to invite me in so that I could intervene. I desire to it, but I want the partnership of people to, so that I can invade in earthly affairs. I used to say, God, it's clear that you want to do this. And, you, and some of you may say, well, I don't believe that. I don't believe that. I can say further. In Ezekiel, when the Lord was raising up, when the Lord was upset with the leaders of Israel and the wicked leaders of Israel, he said, you know what? Get out the way. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to release my judgment on the house of Israel for their wickedness. And it's almost like he's saying, someone better stop me now. Someone better start in their seating. Because he goes, and I looked to see who would stand and make a wall for me so that I might not destroy them. And he goes, and I could not find one. You know those people like, you know, in the movies, they're like, you know, or, or even you as, as a parent, you're like, at the count of three, if you don't do this, I'm going to spank you. One, 
two, two and a half, two and three quarters. Like someone, someone stop me. I'm waiting for you to turn. Two and two and ninety-nine percent. Fine, three. Why is this important? Because he's extending his dominion to the earth through prayer. Look at the next point here. Look, I want you to look at the next point. Put that next point up in that. Prayer is the result of God's established authority structure between heaven and earth. Prayer is the, is the result of God's established authority structure between heaven and earth. How do we get heaven on earth? By calling forth in the name of the Lord through prayer. And heaven starts to open. Heart starts to come alive. Principalities are moved out. Come on. Heaven starts to open over your family. You know, can I just say something, and, and this is a little be an ouch moment. I heard, I heard a powerful speaker years ago, a pioneer of faith, a father of, of, of prayer say one thing. He says, it's not hard to get Muslims to pray because it's, they have it embedded in their culture. He said, he said, Muslims have a prayer culture. Christians have prayer meetings. There's nothing wrong with prayer meetings, but the reason why we don't pray even in prayer meetings is because we're not making prayer a culture. We're making it more about a, a let's, just, let's just check off our duty as a Christian, and let's just force ourselves to do this. Amen. I know that God hears me. Good. We did it, and now let's get out of here. But it's not in our food. It's not in the way we dress. It's not in our, in, in our conversations at home. Culture means that you, that it's happening as a way of life. As a way of life. We have this incredible tool called prayer that it can, I'm going to be very transparent because I believe being transparent will, will demystify the pastor from the regular people. I'm just, just when, I, when I first got saved and I was in a very large ministry, I was, I was kind of subliminally taught that prayer is for the, you know, the special people, the more real spiritual people, right? They're real spiritual, and I just, I just imagine the older ladies with prayer shawls, they're, they're the ones who's going to, to the prayer meetings. I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm fiery for God. I'm going to preach. That's good. Can I just say something? As I grew in my theology, I realized, do you know what Jesus' main role is right now? You think it's like, you know what, I'm just going to have conferences. I'm just going to be floating in the air. You know, I'm just going to, just everything is good. He lives, the Bible says, he ever lives to intercede. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. His main job description is prayer. But you know what, here's the, oh, my, I'm going to get in trouble for this. But it's a good trouble, though. It's a good trouble. Prayer and, prayer, however you want to call it, dialogue with God, prayer, intercession, is not a five-fold ministry gift. You say, why is that important? That's not demeaning prayer. It's actually lifting it up higher. Because a five-fold ministry gift, the Bible says, God has called some, everybody say some, some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers for the equipping of the body. Now, where is there the prayer person or the intercessor? He did not call the five-fold ministry gift an intercessor because then it would be relegated to some. So, not all our apostles, Paul said that, not all our apostles, not all our teachers, not all our pastors. As a matter of fact, according to statistics, 15 to 20 percent of the entire body of Christ is called to the fivefold ministry. The rest, 85 or 80 percent, are called your ministry is in the marketplace. But guess what is not part of the fivefold ministry, so we won't have an excuse. Well, you know, <laughs> Pastor Joy, I'm a pastor. I don't do that. I delegate my, no, you're a pastor and you pray. No, you're an evangelist and you need to pray. No, you're a prophet and you need to have a prayer life. You're a lawyer and you need to have a prayer life. Why? Because intercession or prayer is not relegated to some. It's relegated to all. So that means everyone in this room, I'm going to bust your bubble, everyone in this room is called to a lifestyle of prayer. Now, that doesn't mean that it looks the same to everyone. But it does mean that you need to be intentional about removing stuff out of your way to make prayer a priority. Because you're talking to a living God. He's given us dominion. Not dominion over people. Dominion over the spirit realm. Through partnership. Are you kidding me? I get to partner with God. And, and my voice, God moves at the sound of my voice. Like he, does, like he really, does he really move? 
I don't think some of you guys really believe that. I just think, well, you know, that's, you know, that's, that's, that's for more spiritual people. No. The greatest prayer ever, one of the greatest prayer in Scripture was like, help me, God, when Peter was sinking. He said, help me, and Jesus came and helped him. Look at the word dominion. I'm going to break it down. It's not going to be up there in the screen. Up in your screen, sorry. Dominion means to rule, to dominate, to conquer, to tread down, to bring under complete submission or overpower. This is talking about the spiritual realm. We have authority over the demonic principalities. We have authority over sickness. We have authority over disease. We have authority over the sin nature because we can pray for things to happen. And as we pray and repent, there's, there's, a, there's a dual marriage. As we repent and we pray, you will see heaven open over your life. You, you want to see, this is going to be old school. You want to see God moving your school and your business? Get there a little earlier and start laying hands on that, on that place of business. Start declaring God. I've heard stories where people would anoint their, the pillow of their wayward husband and they would continually have dreams and dreams and dreams. And God's like, leave me alone until the Lord answered their prayers. Do you realize all of heaven and angels are dispatching and waiting for your command through prayer? He is. The Lord causes this to happen. Look at the next point. Put the next point, Zach. This is powerful. The Lord governs the whole earth by intimate partnership with humanity through a lifestyle of prayer. Can I hear an amen? Can I hear an amen? This is so, so important. I was reading last night, and it's not on there, where there was a, there was a plague going out in the land because, the, I'll just be very honest, the congregation was murmuring against Moses. And against Aaron, and the, the Bible calls them the congregation. They had a big congregation, about three million people. And they, and they just defied. They defied uh, the, the the Lord by by murmuring against Moses and against the uh, against the the leaders there. And you know what the Bible says that they stood in the tabernacle of meeting, and the glory of God came. And the Bible says that the wrath of the Lord came out and started consuming them. But you know what the Lord? You know, uh, can I just be? I'm just going to be real, real. I mean, I know you guys are too spiritual to be real. <laughs> if, if that was me, there would be a human nature like, go get them, God. I mean, as long as I'm good, teach them a lesson. They were talking about it, and Moses goes, quick, Aaron, get a censer. Put fire on the altar and get some incense. You know what incense means in symbolic of in the, in the book of Revelation? They had a harp and a bowl full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Do you know that your prayers are being collected in a bowl in heaven? Do you realize that at times the, that bowl will tip over in the end times and it's a result of the years of crying out to God for vengeance, for justice, that the, that the bowls of judgment and righteousness to, to wipe out darkness in the earth is going to come? That may be a little bit deep for you guys, but watch. And they're, and they're praying and they have incense. And so, so he goes, quickly, get a censer, get fire, and put incense on it. And he says, he says, stand between the dead and the living. You know what that is? It's, Lord, I'm praying. I'm praying. I'm praying right now that this person right here is wayward, but I am asking you to hold off and pray and, 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 and hold off your judgment until salvation happens. And you know what? God answers that. The Bible says that Aaron came running. It's like a movie. I saw a flash like, way slow motion. Like people are dying. And Aaron is coming and it's on slow motion. He's like, no. And he's putting on his knees. He's putting it censors. He's like, Lord, stop. And the Bible says he stood between the dead and the living. So one side the plague already hit. The other side the plague was about to hit. But a, a person prophetically standing in the gap in prayer said, Lord, withhold your judgment. The Bible says the plague stopped. We have got to realize that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. What does that mean? The weapon is not a sword. The weapon is not an axe. The weapon is not, it, the weapon is not some gun that you carry uh, in, in, in your house. The weapon is your mouth through prayer. That's the weapon. The Bible says, let, let a two-edged sword come out of their mouth. 
if you were getting a revelation of prayer, you would open your mouth more to see the activity of heaven invade your life. Don't give up. I said don't give up. Can I hear an amen? And so what does that mean? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, because of time, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip some things. The heavens, sorry, God didn't only create uh, man for heaven, like I told you. He created humanity for the earth. And if you don't believe me, I want you to look at the scriptures. This is going to blow you away. Remember, God indicated the principle of authority with let them have dominion. Say that with me. Say let them have dominion. That means you. He said let them. He goes, I'm going to take myself out of, of the equation. I already have authority over all the earth. But now I'm extending my authority by having them partner with me. Now watch. Look at this scripture. It's going to blow you away. Psalm 115 verse 16. Are you getting anything this morning? Look at the NLT version. Are you ready to shout? The heavens belong to the Lord. But he has given the earth. Don't let me preach in here. To all of humanity. I'm going to say that real clearly. That's right. This is, this is good. The heavens belong to the Lord, but he has given the earth to all humanity. Hello? Hello? The earth has been given to humanity. And yet we're still waiting to, to get out of here and come on, Lord, come. I understand that. But he's given us the earth. And I'm going to see, I'm going to say something real deep and it's, it's going to challenge you and prick you. We need to examine the culture of the churches worldwide or nationwide when there is a lot of darkness in the area. Because if there's a lot of darkness in the area, it's because we're not being good stewards of the earth in that area. Because watch this, he's given us the earth. We as Christians get so spiritual, Lord, you want to do it, so just do it. No, do you realize without intentionality, without praying, without opening your mouth, nothing's going to happen? Do you realize that? Do you know that marriages are going to be healed when you start saying, you know, some of you guys need to just open up a war room in your home. You need to just, you need to put some names up there on that, on that, that war room that you have in your, in, your, in your house. And you need to start confessing and calling those names out. Call those backsliders out. Come on, I dare you to. Call those, call those. instead of whining about the condition of your son or your daughter, start a, a war room in your home and start plastering their pictures on there, plastering their names on there, plastering their the friends and start bombarding heaven and you will see angels being dispatched and the Holy Spirit saying, now it's my turn. It's an unstoppable force. You can't stop prayer, even if you try. You can't stop it. You, there's, no, there's no sickness that can stop it. There's no sin that can stop it. There's no man that can stop it. No one could stop the unstoppable force of prayer. It goes straight to heaven every time. Woo! Every single time, God hears when you realize that, your mind will change. It's not for special people. It's not even for spiritual people. It's for Christian people. Just like Lifestyle Christianity says, hey, I don't do outreach. I am outreach. When you pray, it's not just for the intercessor. It's not just for those who have ministries of intercession. It's for everyone. Oh, come on, church. Come on, church. Are you realizing what I'm saying? I want, the Lord says he wants, he wants what's happening in heaven to happen on earth. And happen on earth. It, prayer is essential for God, God's will to be done in the earth. Now, I want, I want to put this next slide up. Put this next slide up, uh, uh, Zach. I want to make sure that I respect you guys' time. But I want you to put that next slide. This is powerful. Write this down. Prayer is calling forth what God has already purposed and predestined so it can be manifested on the earth. Prayer is calling forth what God has already purposed and predestined so it can be manifested on the earth. How many of you know that God didn't wait to, for Peter to get right to call forth destiny out of him? He said, you are Peter on this rock. You, I shall build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against you. And he wasn't even saved. Can you imagine? Could you imagine? See, our theology is all messed up. Could you imagine going to a, a guy who's like on drugs and saying, you know what? You're going to build one of the biggest churches in this city. And God's going to use you to, to bring restoration. And your message is going to go around the world. They're going to be like, what do you have that I don't have? 
You say, are you smoking something that I'm not smoking? God doesn't wait for you to get right to call destiny out of you. That's what prayer does. Prayer calls destiny out of things. It's calling forth what God has already purposed and predestined so it can be manifest on the earth. Lord, you said my daughter's going to serve you, so I'm going to declare this so-and-so. She's just working on her testimony. He's just working on his testimony. I pray. I know that he's a man of God. I declare the purposes of God. She will uh, be a, a, a speaker. He will travel the world. Whatever. He will know you with all his heart soul, mind, and strength. When you begin to declare that, you start realizing that you sick the hounds of heaven over those individuals. Listen, some of us are pretty fast, but we ain't faster than God. Don't make me preach real good here. I don't care who you are. When you release prayer, you are marked forever, and you won't ever be able to escape God. See, that's the thing. You try to escape God, when you release prayers, every, even when they're high, people would be talking about, their, in the club, they'd be like, man, we need God. They're like, what? And then when, when they're trying to get drunk, they're like, man, this is great. They're like, bro, you need Jesus. I'm like, what? They'll be driving in a sign that says, God loves you. Like, I can't escape. Because God releases all of heaven as a response to prayer. Why? And I'm almost done here. Everyone talks about revival, but we can't have revival in your homes. We can't have revival in the city. We can't have revival in a church if we don't start with us praying first. Listen, if judgment starts in the house of God, according to the epistles, so does revival. But it must come with prayer. Do you know that some of the most greatest moves of God started because of prayer and people thought they were crazy because they were canceling. Let me just tell you a true story. The famous Brownsville Revival, if you guys remember those. I remember going to them. Famous Brownsville Revival, just in a, in a regular assembly of God church, there were people lined up three blocks away just to get to a normal service. And there were services every day because of the impact, right? And I was like, what, is this a conference? I'm like, no, it's just a regular church service. It's just the open heaven here. But you know what happened? A lot of people don't know this. The pastor, Kilpatrick, there at one time felt that his messages weren't getting uh, 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 the people like he used to. So he canceled Sunday night service. That's a no-no in, now, in nowadays churches. That's your bread and butter. That's your tithe. That's offering. That's a teaching. He canceled Sunday night evening services. And for two years, he said, guys, he told his staff, we're going to cancel Sunday night, and we're going to get on our face before God and cry out before God. Several people left. And from what I hear, even board members left. He is crazy. He prayed for two years, and suddenly in 1995 on Father's Day, an evangelist named St Steve Hill came. And now the burning message of revival carried with a backdrop of two years of prayer, boom, hit that place. And all of a sudden, from that day forward, over a million people came to get saved. I was there. I'll never forget that. I, I looked around with tears in my eyes where Steve Hill goes, come on, come on, come on, with this big voice. And he, he said, the time is up, come on. And, you know, this is one lady who's, like, uh, running to the, I'm running, I'm running. How many remember that? I'm running to the mercy seat. And I saw people in droves coming, running, and throwing their cigarettes on the altar and throwing their drugs at the altar without anybody telling them to do so. The Welsh revival in the 1904 started with a young girl saying, bend us, Lord, bend me, Lord. And a prayer meeting birthed this groaning of revival and souls that the Bible said, I mean, that the Bible, that history records that soccer games, football games were eventually canceled. They ran bankrupt because everyone was right and started going to church and the jails were emptied, and the justice systems were not having money because everyone was not committing crime. What would happen if the Super Bowl comes and no one wants to watch it because they're crying out to God because God is gripping them? That's revival. When you say, I want to see it, but oh my God, this is, what is happening here? Because there's a gripping that God wants to do, and it starts with a powerful moment of prayer, even if it's just talking. I tell people all the time, they go, I don't know how to pray. I go, yes, you do. They go, no, I don't. I'm not like you. I go, do you know how to talk? I know you know how to talk. They're like, yes, I know how to talk. Then you know how to pray. Because prayer is not, come here, O holieth one of thou of mine, so that I could bequeath thy gift into thy mountain, so that my smoke of incense could raise up to the eminence of thy glory. No, it's God, 
could you please come and invade my family? And God says, I hear that. I need the worship team to come up here. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Look at 1 John chapter 5. Are you getting stirred this morning? Let's make it a, a, a discipline. In 2018, we will go hard after our personal prayer life and our corporate prayer time. See, that rubs your flesh, but it's okay. I'm going to say it again. Let's make sure that we make room for private prayer and for corporate prayer together. My goodness, what would happen? There's times I'm here on Tuesday nights, and I feel like high as a kite afterwards. I'm like, oh, man. I feel the heart of God. I feel the pleasing of God. I, I feel like, you know what? We just did damage for two hours to the kingdom of darkness. You want to punch the devil in the eye? Seriously. You want to punch the devil in the eye? You can't do it physically. You have to do it spiritually. Listen, listen. The Bible says, what, are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? Jesus said, I've given you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth, because the earth is yours, I will bound, bind in heaven. In other words, 2018 language. I ain't going to do any loosening until you first loose it on earth. Then I'll loose it in heaven. I'll loose it in the spiritual realm. I'm not going to bind anything in the spiritual realm until you first bind on the earthly realm. I'm, I'm going to go to this side because this side is more excited about that. It is not an unconditional, freaky, weird thing. God is saying, if you don't bind, I won't bind. That's pretty simple. If you don't loose, I won't loose. You say, oh, Pastor George, no, I've given you the keys. What good is it if I have the keys for Mercedes-Benz and I just look at it? Wow, God gave me an awesome gift, Mercedes-Benz. Drive it. Oh, no, no, no. No, I'm waiting for him. I'm waiting for him to open that door. I'm waiting for him to put that gas and put me in there and shove me in there because I don't want to dirty that, that BMW. Get in the car and turn on the keys, baby. The Holy Spirit's not going to drive for you. The angel's not going to drive for you, neither when it comes to prayer. He's not going to force your mouth open. And by the way, don't wait till you feel like you feel spiritual in order to pray. Come like you are. Come draggy. Come, come with crusty stuff in your eyes. Come with, come, come with attitude. Come like you are and say, God, here I am. And I'll tell you whether you feel it or not, all of heaven theologically opens up. Come on! 1 John 5, verse 14. Oh, this is so good. And we're going to pray in the next 10 minutes for all of our needs, and we're going to challenge us to go deeper in 2018. Look at 1 John chapter 5. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything, well, here's a key, according to his will, watch this, he will hear us. Listen. Look at the next verse. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. Do you realize if we believe that God truly hears us, the Lord says, if you already know that you're going to have it, when you pray, believe that you already have it and you'll have it. you got to start acting like you have it before you have it. Do you realize that? This scripture right here should give you confidence. He goes, we have confidence that if we open our mouth according to his will. Say, according to his will. See, I love that he inserted there. Thank you, Lord, that you inserted that. Because if not, Lord, I just want a mercy. I just want this and I want that. Why, Why isn't God giving you me? Because you, God's going to meet your need, not your greed. But if you pray according to his will, watch this. I'm going to read that again. Let's go to verse 14. Because this, this almost seems impossible. To understand. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask, I'm gonna say it slow, ready? Slow motion. Anything. Anything in the Greek means anything. According to his will, that's the key. According to his will, he hears us. Oh my gosh. He hears us. I said he hears us. Mama, he hears you. Daddy, he hears you. Business owner, he hears you. Travailing person in your emotions right now. He hears you. Unfortunately, sometimes the Lord allows us to go through pain so he could get us to cry out. Verse, look at that. And if we know he hears us, whatever we know, we have the petitions we ask for in Jesus' name. All throughout history, 
God partnered with people to save humanity and the earth. Physical partnering, but today I'm talking about spiritual partnering. Let me give you some quick examples. To rescue humanity from the flood, he partnered with Noah. Again, think about this logic. He could have said, hey, it's almost like if you don't know the nature of God, like, like the, the, the Lord was like, like confused. He's like, hey, I want to destroy the earth, but I want to save the earth. I want to destroy it because of sin, but I, I, I want to save it. So instead of saying, ah, I just won't do it, I'll just teach him another way, he actually says, no, I'm going to really do it. But he partnered with a man named Noah to build an ark. Hello. Hello. Say partnership. For the creation of a nation, he partnered with Abraham. To lead a whole nation, God partnered with Moses. To bring back a people from captivity, God Almighty partnered with Daniel. Think about that. He used Daniel and Hosea and others to, to, re, to relieve people from Babylonian captivity. You say, well, God could just do that himself. He made a law that he cannot break. Let them have dominion. So he has to follow it through the rest of eternity. You hear what I'm saying? For the preservation of Israel, God partnered with Esther. For the salvation of entire mankind, God became man. For prayers to be answered, for, for heaven to move, God partners with humanity. The enemy seeks to silence you. Do you know why he seeks to silence you? Because he knows if you ever get a revelation of how important your mouth is and your words is, it will destroy his kingdom. If he ever gets a revelation of that, you will realize that this is powerful. I'm, I have so much, but I'm going to say it to you in a couple, in a couple of weeks from now. But I have one more scripture that I'm going to tell you that I saved the best for last. Now, I want you to hear me real good because this is going to sound controversial. I want you to hear me. Prayer has so much power according to God's will and God's word that it, it can even change the mind of God. You say, oh, now is where you, you left me. Does it mean that we have the power to manipulate? It means that the Lord is allowing something because deep down inside he wants us to cry out for that. Prayer has the ability to stop judgment when the Lord says there's going to be judgment on something. Prayer has the ability to say, you know what? I'm going to heed that prayer and I'm going to take it back because my people found themselves praying. Watch Exodus. Watch this. Exodus chapter, this is the last scripture, 32 verse 9. Are you getting something? Exodus 32 verse 9. Now I want you to see this. I have so much more, but I'll, t I'll do that next week. Exodus 32, verse 9. Look at this. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and indeed, they're a stiff-necked people. How many know stiff-necked people? <laughs> Somebody like, what? <laughs> now, therefore, let me alone. This is God speaking. Let me alone. Moses, you're, you and I, are, we're good. We're good. You've been faithful. Leave me alone that my wrath may burn hot against them and I may consume them and I will make you a great nation. Now, I don't know about you. Some of y'all be like, me? A great nation? You're going to make me a great nation? Yes. You've been faithful. So, so like, I'm good, right? You're not going to burn me up, right? We're good? Yeah, you're good. I'll be like, let's do it. Hey, you, you said it, God. So who am I to question you? you I, I just, I, I, we're, as long as we're good, I'm good. You know what Moses said? Look at this. He went into intercession. Moses pleaded with the Lord. Oh, glory to God. He, he got on his knees, figuratively speaking. He said, Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people? Remember, God said he was going to do this. He says, get out my way. Get out my way, Moses. Let me have my way with these stiff-necked people that I've given them so many chances to repent, and they don't. Get out my way. Let me consume them. God, Moses goes, why does your wrath burn hot against your people who you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Look at the next verse. Why should the Egyptians speak? He's praying this. He's praying this. Why should the Egyptians speak and say he brought them out to harm them, to kill them in the mountains, and to consume them from the face of the earth? Watch this. This is scary. You better have a relationship to talk to God like this way. Lord, turn from your fierce wrath. What? Lord, Turn from your fierce wrath and relent. What? Relent? 
Relent from this harm that you're wanting to do to your people. Are you ready for this? Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Israel, your servants to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your, you know what he's doing? He's, he's, he's quoting God's promises. We need to do that. Remember what your word says, Lord, over my daughter, over my son. Remember what your word says. If, 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 if I'm saved, if my whole household should be saved, I'm clinging to those promises, God. I will multiply. Remember, remember you said I will multiply the descendants as the stars of heaven. And all this land I have spoken, I will give to you descendants, and they shall inherit it forever. You said that, Lord. So the Lord relented from the harm which he said he would do to his people. You about to throw something at me, and then you're like, okay, I saw it in scripture now. So the Lord relented. From the harm, I'm going to read that, I'm not adding anything, which he said he would do to his people. Why did he relent? Because he found someone that stood in the gap. He found someone that says, no, Lord, remember your promises. I know they deserve it. I know America deserves this. I know we deserve certain things. But, Lord, have mercy. I'm praying. And deep down inside, God is doing that because he wants to raise people that pray. He wants to partner. He wants to say, hey, I'm, I'm saying this to see if anyone is going to come and speak revival, pray revival, and pray for souls like I want to have souls saved. Today is an opportunity for you to cry out. Today and the next three weeks, we're going to, uh, in, your, in your bulletin, there's a piece of paper. There's a Monday, there's a Tuesday, Wednesday. I gave you scripture and everything. You don't have to go by that. But I gave you a tool by which you and I could use scriptures. Use the word for the next three weeks or a lifestyle to cry out for your family. Cry out for revival. Cry out for your church. Listen, if you are feeling depressed and defeated, start today and say, God, I'm asking you to make my heart alive again. I'm asking you to heal me. I'm asking you, listen, and the, the timing of prayer will differ from everybody, but the power and the purpose is the same for everyone. I want you to stand up right now. I want you to stand up right now. We're about to close. I want, how, how many feel stirred to say, I want to sign up this year. Come on, listen to me. I want to sign up this year for a greater discipline of private prayer in my life. Come on. I want to sign up this year for a greater discipline of even corporate prayer. Come on. I want to make prayer as a culture. Stand, come on, raise your hand right now. Raise your hand. We're going to worship right now. And in a few minutes, I'm going to ask you, to those that say, I'm going to re-sign up for devotion. I'm going to re-sign up to use my words. I'm going to re-sign up even to take five minutes a day of uninterrupted time to cry out to a living God because God says let them have dominion and if you do you're going to see wonders and signs in your family you're going to be signs and wonders in your workplace you're going to see it in your in your own personal life I dare you to believe God I dare you to open up your mouth come on lift up your hands right now come on let's ask God to invade our culture invade our homes invade our lives with prayer. Come on, say it starts with me right now. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.